Hey, this is Remington from Palais Royale, and you're listening to Rock Sound Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Rock Sound Podcast. I'm Will Cross. You're Tamsin Wills. How's it going? <laughs> Did you just say you are Tamsin Wills? Yeah. Yeah. Change that. I am. I am Tamsin Wills. <laughs> and I, I am here. I'm having a very nice time because I get to see Paramore very soon. You do. Two days, something like that. Well, today, if you listen to this today on a Friday. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Currently, you're probably listening to this as I'm losing my shit <laughs> to Paramore at the O2 in London. Um, so if you're going... Keep an eye out for me. Yes, yeah. Let us know if you see Tamsin and uh, and, <laughs> and tell us a story. And uh, Jack Rogers, hello. Hello, Will. All right. Yeah. I mean, in the case of maybe listening while Tamsin at Paramore, you'll be listening the night after I've seen Fallout Boy, <laughs> and I will be completely void of tears because I've cried them all. <laughs> Wow, it's going to be an emotional week then. Um, follow us on SoundCloud, subscribe to us on iTunes. Last week, we had the Black Belt Prize doubleheader to kick off 2018. Huge stuff with Andy Biersack and Christian Coma. Chatting everything Vale, really, really honest stuff about the band's time away. Amazing stuff. And also Partway Drives, Winston McCall on everything to do with their forthcoming new album coming later this year. Super mysterious, really, really exciting. So go back and listen to that. Let us know what you thought. But this week, we have got even more exclusive stuff. We've got Beartooth's Caleb Shomo talking everything 2018 all about the band's forthcoming third album stuff about aggressive which he wasn't happy with loads of stuff you're not going to find anywhere else so stay tuned for that and also we've got dashboard confessional legend chris caraba first dashboard confessional album crooked shadows in almost nine years coming out in february so we talked to him all about that it's great all about his legacy all the stuff on the emo scene why he came back and man like he was not holding back either like to be able to hear such a legend someone who's lived through it talk through all this stuff and like say you know things he thought about you know both positive <coughs> and negative about the whole emo scene amazing stuff so stay tuned but tams in first the news Michael Bond and Issues have parted ways. Statements from both the band and Michael are online now. Our current cover stars, Palais Royale, have released the video for My Youth Generation. Fallout Boy have dropped the video for new track, Expensive Mistakes. Vans Warped Tour will announce its final full cross-country tour lineup on March 1st. Tonight Life have dropped new song and a video, Disappear, featuring Paris' Ling Gun, and they've also revealed that Rome will, will replace with confidence on their upcoming UK tour. That is a tongue twister <laughs> and a half. Warparks have released their third and final entertainment video diary online, featuring a series of brilliant and very Parks outtakes. Berry Tomorrow are in the studio recording album five and loads more exclusive stuff on our website. Head to rocksound.tv. There is stuff including Black Veil Brides, As It Is, Palais Royale, stories of bands being the nicest people on the planet. There's stuff with Waterparks and Tonight Alive, track by tracks and so much more. Yes, awesome stuff. So straight into interview one. So Beartooth, Caleb Shomo. Caleb came into the office to chat to us uh, right at the very tail end of last year. And man, he actually said in this chat, as you're about to hear, that, you know, we caught him on a day where he was like, you know what, I'm just going to tell you everything. So we chatted everything about Aggressive, everything he really thought about that album, and all about what's coming this year. And man, when, you know, it's kind of time to get brutal again, you know, we're talking like disgusting, we're talking sick. Like, I think this is going to be a mega, mega year and a heavy year for Beartooth. So, so, uh, yeah, I'm going to shut up. Here's Caleb Shomo, mastermind of Beartooth, talking everything 2018. Super exclusive. Here we go. So, uh, Caleb, thank you I'm so in. much for joining us on the Rock Sound Podcast. Yeah, buddy. How does it feel that kind of where Aggressive is, has brought you to in the sense that, you know, you've kind of, you've bridged that gap between the warped world and a number of other worlds as well. You know, you play shows with bands like Avatar to supporting Slipknot, you know. Yeah. That's yeah. quite a feat and it's quite unusual for bands. Like, was that, is that a really, really good feeling off the back of the album? Yeah. <laughs> Man, dude. I mean, just straight up this record has been very interesting to say the least so like the first record you know i had a ton of time i've been working on those songs for you know some of the songs for months and months and it came out and it just fucking happened fast and like uh you know fast forward to the second album and that record was made start to finish in like two months you know from writing to masters being delivered so 
it happened quick. I didn't even really get to wrap my head around it. It was just like the record's done and it's delivered. I guess let's play some shows and see if people like it. And then, you know, our hated took off on rock radio and we had a, we were top five for quite a long time. And I don't know, things have just been moving, dude. They've been moving like crazy. So uh, I'm pleasantly surprised is what I'll say. I didn't expect it to do what it did. I I think, yeah, you really caught me at a good time. I'm going to talk about some stuff I haven't really talked about at all. Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. There were certain things with with Aggressive that I didn't think made the cut. Like, for me personally. And I'm sure, you know, to listeners and people that are fans of the band, they were able to, like, get through it without such a nitpicky attitude. But when I listened to it, there are just certain things that I feel like didn't have the same magic that the first record did. Um, you know, j- there were a lot of people involved in, I would try a whole bunch of new stuff and I think a lot of it worked and some of it didn't. So for the amount of success that we got off that record, I'm ecstatic. I, I mean, I'm absolutely ecstatic. And don't get me wrong. I'm proud of the record. I'm really glad I made it. Um, you know, I poured my heart into those songs, but for what came out of that, I'm shocked. Um, but in a very good way. You know, we we toured with fucking Slipknot. What else do you want to say? <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I can die happy. hundred <laughs> percent. Well, it's really interesting to say that. I mean, um, yeah. Okay. So now you've said that, then in terms of songs that you maybe you weren't so happy with, then despite the yeah. success, like. Oh, there were there were some real curveballs uh, on there, you know. Uh, yeah, songs like King of, King of Anything. Um, yeah. I mean, was it was it those? I mean, I I love those tracks. So was it those tracks, or was it other songs that maybe sounded a bit more like the first album? Or it, it was more of the sound of certain songs. Like I think there was stuff that I should have sat on longer. I think there was some stuff that I rushed, and like. It's more personal stuff. It's stuff that, regu- you know, the people that are listening to it, like, you know, the, the regular listener probably wouldn't notice. But it's little things for me where I'm like, fuck, I had a better lyric I should have used there. Or that guitar part could have had more bite on it. Or this, just little weird things. Um, but I don't know. I have a ton of time to make this next record, so I'll make sure that it is perfect. Amazing. So did a lot of that come from like how it was a bit, did you feel it was a bit rushed then in hindsight? Yeah, it, it was rushed. Um, sometimes that makes good shit though. Uh, you know, like Hated, I mean, I wrote that song in like 24 hours. Like it just happened really fast. And, you know, that's my pride and joy of that record because it was the most successful song we had. It's probably my favorite song. And there were no co-writers or co-producers or anything on that track. So that like definitely gave me more confidence to try and like conquer things on my own. But, um, I don't know. All in all, I'm happy with it. And you know, I had a good time, but it's basically like that last 2% that I'm going to, you know, take that 2% that was missing and make that 20% 20% that goes into the next record, right? <laughs> yeah. I want this next record to be so fucking over-the-top ripping. Yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. So, so talking to the next record then, obviously yeah. I know it's in its initial stages. Yeah, like, it's, is in that sense heavy? It's different. Uh, I have one song fully written. It is the title track of the album, and there's no screaming on it at all. But it's... It's very emotional. Um, You know, it's rock. It's fucking ripping guitars, fast drums, the whole nine. But um, I I think one of the things that I got caught up in on the second album was like writing a little more externally and not writing from my internal shit, which the whole first album is all internal. I mean, every song pretty much other than like beating in lips is about some shit that I've been through and things that I've dealt with in life and uh, aggressive was definitely more outward. It was more looking at other situations. And I went back in, like, to myself. Like, I dove back in. And when I set the tone for the album with this first song, I wrote, to me personally, one of the most emotional songs I've ever written. And um, I don't know. I mean, I wish I could talk about it more. <laughs> but 
I don't, I don't want to give too much away too early, but it's, it's heavy stuff, man, like emotionally in the sense. But so this one song that I have written fully is, I think, you know, some of the best melodic stuff I've ever written, but there is some heavy stuff coming like really heavy shit you know i've been listening to a ton of metal and a ton of like i don't know aggro music so i'm gonna try and really bring it back amazing man i'm so excited i, I mean into yeah. <laughs> because i was gonna go into that kind of lyrical shift from disgusting into aggressive like um so with this album do you reckon then it will be much more personal like disgusting so i remember you saying before Aggressive oh, yeah. came out that you like you said like you just said to me you were looking at more things kind of outside and kind of fighting overcoming battles and that sort of thing yeah this will be much more personal way more personal very internal um I don't know. I, I've written some songs that I'm like kind of scared to release because they're really fucking dark. <laughs> and like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's shit that I don't like to talk about. But here's what the reality is, man. When I started Beartooth, I told myself, this is my therapy. This is how I deal with my life is writing these songs and putting every bit of honest emotion into it, regardless of who hears it. And once you put out an album and a ton of people hear it and a ton of people start coming to shows singing your fucked up lyrics, it's like, all right, well, maybe I should think about this a little more. <laughs> uh, but I'm just kind of saying fuck it for this next one. Uh, definitely going more just raw and like internal and intense, I guess. Wow, yeah, because I, I, remember, I remember hearing the title track Disgusting for the first time. And I remember, mm -hmm. you know, it was almost like hearing Daddy by Corn or Scissors by Slipknot or something like that. I mean, I, I think I reviewed the album and said that. I mean, it was, it's, it was so visceral and so like, wow, you know, you could feel what you were going through in the vocal booth. Yeah. Is that going to be hard to revisit, do you think? Absolutely. I hate it. I mean, those, writing those songs is, you know, it's a very cathartic experience. It's a very like, emotional like positive overcoming thing but when you're in the middle of it writing those songs is basically locking yourself away somewhere and just diving in as far as you can go to the parts that you don't ever want to think about of yourself and then writing a song for hopefully millions of people to hear that's that's tough to wrap your head around sometimes man it really is but um Again, I'm just trying to say fuck it. Just write what I need to write and get my head on straight. And um, and I think people connect to that. I think that's what Beartooth does, man. Is it Beartooth should just be that real raw shit. And uh, yeah, I don't want to lose that ever. So I'm really trying to make sure that this next record has that. Wow. I mean, you mentioned Hated earlier. I mean, you were talking about this uh, amazing melodies that you've come up with and the new stuff as well. I mean, uh, with that song and it doing so well at Rock Radio, is that something that may be alongside what we just talked about you kind of want to explore even more, you know? Because um, obviously, you know, sort of songs like In Between, which have gone down as absolute Beartooth fan favorites. Is mm -hmm. it kind of, would you like to expand on that side of the band as well? Or do you think that's something that maybe won't be so apparent this time? Absolutely. I mean, one of the big things for me, I don't think I learned how to sing until like the last year. Like, you know, I've been going through and touring and I've been young and just having my time and fucking around and having, living it up and it's been great, but I've fallen in love with singing, like really fallen in love with singing. And I want to make sure I explore that. And, uh, yeah, I think that'll definitely come out on the next record. I mean, it's not going to be like some cookie cutter bullshit, <laughs> but it'll be more melodic, definitely, in a lot of aspects. But at the same time, man, I have some riffs that are nuts, <laughs> if I do say so myself. Uh, don't worry, shit will still be banging. <laughs> Amazing. So it's yeah. all, as I say, and it will be the same format as as has come before. It's all you putting yeah. everything together. Yeah. Uh, that that's a very important thing for Beartooth. I mean, just because of, like I said, how personal the songs are, every piece of that is a part of me, and I have to put that on the track. Like, the drums, the guitars, the bass, the vocals, everything is like, I have an equal amount of passion and love for musically, so um, I think for me to really get the point across and get the emotion across, that's very integral, 
you know definitely yeah so as well I mean do you think you know we were talking before we hit record about you know I have a problem and things like that you know right from the start something that's always stood out about Bertie is like you say is, is how you haven't held back and you know there's that sense of fearlessness in in writing about some very difficult things you know and do you think that's important it's actually you know we're talking about connecting with people and that sort of thing do you think especially in a very flooded music industry these days do you think it's it's important to kind of hone your sound and have that sense of fearlessness in, in what you create with it yeah, I mean, if you're scared, then you're going to do a few things. You're either going to just conform and make your radio rock record and isolate your entire fan base and whatever, which we've seen time and time again in the music industry. And and, and that is out of fear. That's absolutely out of fear because you get a taste of success and these people, you know, people get addicted and they're like, how bi- how much money can we get for this show? How big can this show get? Well, if we need to do that, we need to be on the radio. If we need to be on the radio, we need to write a radio song. Like, look at the biggest bands that have been on the radio. Like, f- they didn't write those songs for the radio. The radio came to them, you know? And uh, I think that's... Radio and commercial success, I think, needs to be kind of more of the afterthought. Because at the end of the day, if you don't have an honest product that people are going to attached to and fall in love with like you won't have that success that you're looking for and if all you're looking for is that success you're not going to be able to write those songs so yeah song needs to come first always man i totally agree i, I mean in, t- in terms of as well like you know you've collaborated a little bit with john feldman i'm mm-hmm. writing you know, and that sort of thing do you reckon that's something that you might try again i know you've done it across the two albums or like do you think that's something that you might leave this time do you think there's a power in that i mean how, how do you feel about that nowadays Writing with other people, I love it. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. For Beartooth, it's a little different. And I love working with Feldy because I've been working with him so long that yeah. he understands like how we work. And we can write very easily. And it, it's more so like... I, I rarely write whole songs, if ever, for Beartooth when I'm co-writing. We just write parts. and Or concepts or whatever. And like when we come up with something great... We record it there, and then I usually take that home to my studio and work on it and make it sound like Beartooth. So uh, I love the co-writing. I mean, it just expands your mind. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I do all of it myself, you know, recording it and majority of writing. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think it would be a little bit narrow-minded not to just give it a shot with some other people and see what comes out. I mean, as long as I'm still taking it back and like sitting with it in my studio and making sure that it has the feel, then it'll be good. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like you're so pumped for these tunes. Is that that very much the the plan then? So you're going to take your time, make sure that you flesh these songs out as as much as you possibly can. Absolutely, dude. I'm going to, I'm doing some new stuff. I'm trying new things like, um, you know, after I get home, I'm going to go, like, see my family for Thanksgiving, and then I just start traveling. So, like, I'm going to L.A., I'm going to New York, I'm going to Tokyo. Uh, we're working out some other stuff for, like, January, but I, I, I just want to go explore cities. Because, like, when you travel on tour, I mean, you show up, you load in, you play, maybe go get a beer and a slice of pizza somewhere, and then that's it. So, you know, I feel like I've been around the world, but I haven't seen any of it. Like, I want to go experience that in some of my favorite places in the world and then go work out of a studio in there. And that's another thing is, I, you know, the last two records, I've just made everything in my basement. And don't get me wrong, at this point, my studio in my basement has become pretty serious. But uh, I don't know. There's something about the energy of places, man. Like, you know, I want to do, I want to track the record at a place called Blackbird in Nashville which I've never done before. You know, I've never gone to like a full fucking studio with the whole nine and made a record. And, but at the same time, it's, it's not going to be the usual way. Like I'm going to go in with just me and then an engineer that knows the studio uh, and like knows all the gear and stuff. And then I'm just going to start recording. And, um, I don't know. I'm really excited about that. <laughs> I'll get to like, cause I, you know, I'm a recording nerd, dude. And <laughs> they have like the coolest shit that you can get. They just have it all. So I am basically just going to be a 
kid in a candy store for two months <laughs> and uh, just try and make it as loud and vicious as possible. Amazing. So, so to finish up then, going into 2018 with all that in mind, is it? are there any nerves or is it just a fire to just, just do this? There's always going to be nerves, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm always scared to this day still showing people new songs. But I think that's got to be there. I mean, if not, it would just feel like a job. It would just feel like I'm going into my nine to five. But yeah, I'm always nervous. I'm always like, is, are the people going to like it? Is this a good bear tooth song? Is this bullshit? Whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that'll never go away. I hope it never goes away. Amazing. So yeah, I guess just to end then, like in terms of, of when new music comes, it'll just come naturally. And I guess we'll just expect it when it's done i guess like, yeah. yeah i mean dude that's how the writing's been so far i mean i have bits and pieces of probably nine or ten songs i only have one song that's done though <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah because i don't want to rush anything i don't want to force myself to write a part that i know won't fit and there's only been one that just worked you know it just happened the whole way through like in one day which is rare i mean usually it's in bits and pieces but Trying my hardest not to rush it, trying to make sure it sounds like fucking Beartooth, trying to make sure it rips, but that I'm still able to pour my heart and soul into it. Awesome, yeah, that was such a good chat. Like, I love that Kev just came and just wanted to chat everything and be really candid and just tell us everything that's happened with Bandy. Sounds so stoked. Tamsin, what are you saying? I mean, I'm a little concerned that if, like, this new stuff is going to be really, like, extra dark and emotional. Like, compared with the stuff they've already put out, like, I feel like this might destroy all of our souls uh, when we listen to it. Um, but yeah, it sounds like they've got some really exciting stuff coming up. Um, it was interesting here. I, I think I think every musician has it when they listen back to an album and it's just like, oh, I could have done something different with that guitar bit or whatever. But I think we can all agree that the Beartooth records are just disgustingly brutal and <laughs> epic in so many ways. Um, but yeah, like, as you said, sounds like 2018 is going to be a really exciting year for them. I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out of these writing and recording sessions. As you said, he's kind of... There's not much screaming. He's, like, um, doing a lot more singing and stuff, so it'll be really cool to kind of see how he develops his voice and stuff over the next 12 months. Definitely, yeah. I mean, like, talking about that song he had fully written, like, the title track, I mean, the fact that he's saying you know, he's scared to release some of this stuff, kind of going what you've just said, like, that really... really as someone who loves kind of savagery and darkness in music, like, so exciting. Uh, Jack? Yeah. Um, I mean, they say it a lot, that it takes a lot of guts to be able to, like, talk about the art that you've made in such a candid way and like know when things didn't really work I like how you say like imagine if you hadn't caught him on a good day when he's just like oh you caught me on a day I'm not going to tell you anything <laughs> well I'm pleased I did yeah, that yeah, yeah yeah but he's just like yeah you caught me on a day where I'm going to tell you absolutely everything <laughs> lucky you um, but yeah it's it's the thing he says when he's like that because music is therapy to so many people, especially the people who are writing it. And a lot of the undertones on Disgusting, especially, were really, really, I don't know, like hard to stomach at times. Um, and I feel as though, like, if he took the foot off that pedal on aggressive, and like, even though he was still writing from the heart, it's like, there's a bit less oh I'm gonna hold back for it especially when he's saying like oh these kids screaming about my like depressed ass lyrics and like my my own anxieties but to be able to go you know what actually this is who Beartooth is and Beartooth is a band which is able to kind of can't play with those sort of subjects more than a lot of bands can and he can push those limits as much like to hear that for album three which is probably more than the sophomore album like this is the big one going in like this is like this one where it's make or break if you go in all guns blazing like there's no way you can lose yeah 100 percent. i mean i think you're right i mean when you look at a lot of bands you know like we often talk about bring me the horizon on this podcast stuff like that when you look at that kind of third album it's the moment where everything can kind of really click um so i think that could happen for Beartooth this year so uh super exciting more on that as we get it we'll definitely chat to caleb again and uh man just cannot wait for these songs jack oh yeah um <laughs> it's list of question time lads um <laughs> 
So, we got drumming dramatically, which that just makes me think of, you know, that episode of um, Simpsons where it's uh, Lollapalooza. And um, there he goes, um, Billy Corgan smashing pumpkins, Homer Simpson smiling politely. <laughs> yeah. That's like drumming dramatically. <laughs> um, what colour should Austin dye his hair next? Well... It's like this, this, I mean, this is probably like in 25 episodes, this is the most important question we've probably <laughs> asked. Because what the thing about Austin's hair is that he knows how to do it. And I've seen on the internet, like, people are convinced he's got wigs, like, fully. Like, you've seen him. Like, people generally go... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pe- people, think he, pe- people think he's got wigs. I don't think people understand it. how hair dye works. Well, no, no but he, yeah, but it's because, like, he can go from, like, one day to another and be, like, go from... There's like, this thing called semi-permanent... Usually, as somebody who has dyed their hair, of, you know, numerous bright colours, they are semi-permanent and only wash two... They only last two to ten washes. Really? So he can he can he can literally change his hair color every week if okay. he wanted to. Mm. See, this is coming from someone who only ever had blonde tips. I don't understand why those blonde bits didn't become like green or like a nice red. I wasn't new metal enough. No, yeah, I would have no. thought you'd have had dyed hair at some point. Mm. No, I mean like I I dyed it black once for like oh um, <laughs> emo like, days. But I think the the peak of what Austin could do. Is like a really metallic gold, if that's possible. You could maybe go for like a rose gold and then chuck some. You can get like um, gold spray. So if you wanted, you know, for maybe for the live shows or something, he could put nice rose gold tint mm. on and mm. then cover it with gold spray yeah. to get the glow. I mean, so in, that would re- it, the lights would really bounce. In, 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 in my head, <laughs> I'm convinced that you can go down to Wilco's and buy uh, like, oh yeah, I want to dye my hair gold today. <laughs> <laughs> like, does that not exist? I, I don't this, think this, you can ev- get it in Wilco's. Every day is a school day. Um, like. I mean, Austin, if you're listening and you need some advice on where to buy your hair dye, feel free to hit me up because <laughs> I know the best places to get the best deals. Legit. Also, I'm, my really mum ma- really my, my can get discounted bright coloured hair dye, so um, I can hook you up with some cheap ass deals. No way. That's I hope right. it hits you up mm. on that. No. Your, your Twitter handle is? Just my name, Tamsin Wills. Yeah. <laughs> Spelled with a Y. Hit her up. <laughs> I do hope, Austin. I really hope you are listening. What I would, <laughs> and, that, and that you put up with this what I enough to be a regular listener. I would really listener. like to see if you don't really feel like sliding into my DMs. Um, I would like to see a Austin and Goodbye Young c- collab. Oh, yeah, that would be sick. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just like get various shades going on. Nice rainbow. I feel as though that makes sense, though. Like I don't really yeah. get why that yeah. hasn't happened. Yeah, before. I think that needs to be a thing. Good Eye Young and Austin. So I think yeah, I think Austin needs to hit Haley up as well <laughs> and ask for them sweet merch packages. Busy day on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great shout. Um, mine is a vibrant red. Like on on entertainment, he's uh, he can be quite salty uh, as we've chatted about before. Yes. And uh, obviously Tantrum, which you guys are going to hear very soon. Uh, water parks at their most salty and angry. I think uh, a vibrant red, like a devilish red, would sue him. Or a nice so. peach. Oh yeah, there's yeah, actually a yeah. song called Peach. On yeah, the album. Yeah, 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 Peach would be nice. Nice, nice peach for the summer season, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. lovely stuff. Um, and Marilyn Dela Cruz has asked, "Who were the first bands you got into?" And I. I saw this as like who were the first band like the first album you bought because that's like the way that it goes and I remember I can stem it back that I was obsessed with like three bands in like succession one after another and the first one was Good Charlotte like um, Young and the Hopeless first album I'm sure I've said that before at some point Um, but yeah like played that CD until it snapped like um, (laughs) like the read the lyrics like kids uh if you don't know what a walkman is <laughs> um, that's the second time we've done this yeah but maybe like, have a so look in your, in your parents attic yeah like ne- next to the game boy color and, and your um, mini disc and your mini disc <laughs> yeah. um but yeah i used to spin that like constantly when i was like um on road trips and stuff um and it's mad that i only saw them for the first time in 2010 like uh, Sonosphere because there's so many other opportunities to see them but um, 
yeah like and seeing as when they toured in December and they were still amazing and uh, Will can vouch that I had a mad smile on my face for most of I, it I haven't seen you happy well you're happy at all gigs but that was particularly happy yeah, yeah, you, <laughs> I remember you running round at one point like <laughs> I don't remember that <laughs> um, I remember so there was one band that kind of started me off down this path of guitars and riffs and pop punk bangers um and that was a that was a band called busted yeah um and as uh, okay a lot of people will probably know busted as what they are now um about funky 10 years ago no it was longer than that christ 15 now. yeah it was yeah, probably about yeah, 15 yeah. years ago yeah, now yeah. that's when they first came out and they you know they used to air kick in their music videos and it was the coolest shit i'd ever seen <laughs> they never had a drummer either and, which was the amazing <laughs> but but charlie was also the drummer and the guitarist and the yeah. singer at the same time oh, okay. the video so, where he played drums you said yeah. no oh yeah, yeah. it said the half pipe <laughs> Um, so that pre- like when I, when I was like I think I must have been about 11 or 12 when like they were in their heyday um, uh, yeah they kind of they really started me as, as kind of jokey as we look at them now they started me on the path to and after that I found Good Charlotte I found Linkin Park I was also obsessed with Avril Lavigne kind of those like skate pop records um and yeah who's david by busted is probably one of the biggest bangers of the 21st century that is a great 3 a.m 3 a.m uh <laughs> catch me crying to that <laughs> on the tube home <laughs> to this day yeah <laughs> amazing at, stuff at 3 a.m as well yeah yeah, yeah. i'm it's, gonna it's, set an it's alarm like obli- obligatory <laughs> it's time yeah. <laughs> it's out of control um I, i'll go with limp biscuit um i was a straight up new metal boy when i first got into music um well we're gonna go limp biscuit and lincoln park so chocolate starfish and hybrid theory pretty much got them exactly the same time um and iowa by slipknot which i mentioned last week like just straight up i mean it was the first time that you know her things that ferocious and that kind of bludgeoning and like oh god what you know what's going on but it was just so amazing uh, and to kind of go from that to go from you know wwf or wwe as it's now known um for like wrestlers like kane and things like that i think that kind of bridged me into these uh you know kind of weirder interesting bands so yeah straight up new metal big time big cheers lads awesome stuff so our new issue palo real we launched it last week <laughs> All the bundles are sold out, so um, I can't plug them this week. So you guys... That's mental. That is mental, isn't it? That's absolutely mental. Yeah, everything is gone. Absolutely (laughs) insane. You guys, the uh, Royal Council came out and just bought them all up. Absolutely amazing stuff. Uh, The new stand mags are still available, although they are still going as well very, very, very quickly. So head to shop.rockstand.tv. Be super quick on that because it's looking like they're going to sell out as well, like even just the individual new stand mags. So... um, you want to pick this up you've still got a chance to get those so get on it shop.roxanne.tv right now also includes special 21 pilots pull out photo magazine celebrating the blurry face era ahead of what happens next also chats with asking alexandria tonight a live marmosette and reviews of water entertainment fob's mania loads going on shop.roxanne.tv absolutely insane week um spotify players as well our Roxanne chart is of course updated follow us on there jack who's number one it's My Youth Generation by Pally Royale. It is. Cover stars. Yeah, big stuff. Um, Scuzz TV show, new episode on daily on Scuzz. Check that out. Uh, and as Tamsin said earlier in the show as well, loads going on online on our website, rocksound.tv too. So uh, get involved with that. Check everything out. Let us know what you're digging most. And uh, yeah, get those individual newsstand magazines because they're going to go. Interview two, Dashboard Confessionals. So talking of legends, getting to music, all that sort of stuff. Um, emo. I think the three of us around this table and uh, for many of you out there who might be a little bit older, um, Dashboard Confessional were one of the absolute leading lights of the emo scene. And um, Chris Caraba, you know, he is Dashboard Confessional essentially. Um, first time that they've come back in almost nine years now with new album Crooked Shadows includes collaborations with Brissy Costanza of Against the Current and Lindsay Sterling as well. They did the Christmas song with Alex Gascalf last year. Really, really interesting stuff. It's a really interesting, brilliant album but we went beyond that in the chat as well me and chatted about being a figurehead of the emo scene what he thought on it you know things where he felt quite disillusioned with it and in a way that kind of was roundabout the reason why he ended up coming back to it now so yeah this is a super revealing chat if you're a dashboard fan if you're intrigued of who dashboard are you gotta check this out here we go chris caraba brilliant stuff here we go 
I guess to kick off, what motivated your decision to come back to Dashboard full-time? Because obviously you took some time away with Twin Forks, the seems forever for a bit as well. You're just kind of doing your own thing. What motivated you to come back to it full-time with the new record? After our last tour on a, on a record, it was the end of a very incredible cycle for us, where we toured over 200 days, sometimes 300 days a year for about a decade. And... Um, and we did this all with uh, um, sort of sort of at the uh, by the favor of our our fan base, really. You know, we, we I guess we were close to a little bit of success on the radio here and there, but but for, if I'm being really honest, we never really had radio success. So we just what we did have was this agreement with our audience that. Um, that their expectation would be met. And their expectation, I think, was that when we went up there and when I went up there on stage, I was going to give it everything I had uh, from the deepest place I could get to. And um, we finished that tour, and it was the first time I felt like, maybe I, maybe I can't go any deeper than this, or maybe I can't get deeper than this anymore, as deep as this anymore. And we kind of talked about it as a band and we just had this understanding that maybe if we were a different band and had radio success or what have you, um, we weren't a niche band. If we didn't have such an incredible audience that though it was smaller than, than maybe if we were on the radio was really intensely connected to us and we felt the same way towards them. And it just, we just felt we didn't have the right to ever be in danger of phoning it in. So we decided to, to walk away and trust that it would, or I guess hope that it would be there when life experience brought us back to connect, connecting with the song as deeply as we had before. And so, needless to say, it was an unpopular decision with, say, our uh, bookkeeper and possibly our record label at the time, but it was what was necessary for us to, to do to be able to move forward as people, as, as just people and performers. And, you know, if Dashboard was ever going to, it was going to last, it was going to just have to, it was, it would, it would be there or, or it wouldn't be there. I, I didn't know which it would be. And um, so we took some time and we did Twin Forks, or I did Twin Forks, and some of the other guys did some other side projects. I did a Ferguson's Forever record. I did some solo work. I didn't stop doing music, and I didn't stop touring. I just stopped touring as dashboard. I started, I went back and played the clubs of the world, the basements of the world, and the backyards of the country, and, and, and uh, reconnected on a very on a much more individual, mate, uh, you know, person-to-person level. And all of a sudden, I found myself writing again. I guess some time had passed, and I found myself writing what I knew were dashboard songs, if that makes sense. So the songs kind of, the songs came first, um, a song or two, not a whole lot. And then we just, we spent a lot of time together even when we weren't doing the band. And so we, we talked about it and decided let's do a show. And the show was incredible. Let's do a tour. The tour was incredible. We did a few more. It was an extraordinary time, but now the songs were kind of demanding to be written, not by anybody, but me really. And I thought that was the luckiest break of all. Cause my first two records I did kind of back to back in com- almost total anonymity um, and here I was again, being able to work privately on this music with nobody pressing me to finish or nobody p- suggesting how the songs should go according to them and not according to me. And uh, so I was able to just discreetly, slowly make a record in my basement. And that record is Crooked Shadows. 
Wow. You know, you, you're seen as a, a figurehead across, you know, a, a long period of time now, you know, and what people, you know, like places you come to fear the most and Swiss Army Romance, you know, Mark and Mission of Brand of Scar, Dusk and Summer, all these albums, people, you know, people absolutely love them and are so influenced by them. Um, it's a very unique position, you know. I mean, did, did that did that kind of play into you coming back as well? Or, or was that kind of something that you just, at the time, you'd put to bed and it was, it was very much just like you say, the songs needed to be written, essentially, that were coming out of you? I don't think they were reactionary to knowing that people connected with my band. Um, but I certainly felt good about knowing that the songs I had already released continued to have life. Um, through people sharing them with their friends or people, you know, or band, newer bands being influenced by, by what we'd done or by, by what I'd done, depending on what the record cycle was. Um, but I was, um, I'm pretty removed from the trappings of stardom, I guess. Yeah. So I think what I connect with mostly is just people and, um, and, uh, that could be, uh, someone that listens it comes to my show because they connect with the music, my music when they're in their car or on a run or in with friends or whatever. Or it could be because there's, you know, some some young superstar <laughs> that says that we that I influenced them, and that's I don't think one carries more weight than the other. Oh, I guess one gets more print than the other, but that's about it. <laughs> and um, um. I do feel really lucky. I do feel very fortunate that I had um, taken some leaps of faith in my career and they'd been received well. Not everyone. Not everything I tried was received well. And certainly there was a back, backlash against our whole scene um, that I um, believe was probably somewhat deserved, not entirely. But I think everybody did better by being brought down a peg, probably. Um, I certainly did, uh, although I was more, I was, a little, I was already, we were on hiatus during all that time, was more of an observer, observer of it. Mm. So I didn't feel defensive about it, if, so to speak. Um, as I, as I make this new music or as I release this new music and, and we're playing with a different generation of people that kind of believe in the same things as us, um, playing with and for a, a different, largely different group of people. Um, I think it's, it's proving to be the luckiest bit of all is that the songs had staying power. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Because, I mean, yeah, like, like I say, I mean, you know, all these songs are, are such classics now. And, I, I mean, you know, you were saying that you, you felt like it was good that you were knocked down a peg. I mean, kind of what do you mean in that sense? Did it just did, the, did it just feel the scene kind of got too big or was it, was it too overwhelming? Or kind of what do you mean by that? I think that this scene that was um, born out of a purity of intention kind of thing, of just some some like-minded fans with like-minded ethos and like-minded work ethics and a similar approach to um, to what they were willing to reveal in their songs, even if even if thematic, even if um, sonically there were different approaches across the board. I mean, I don't know if you can, I don't know if those if casual listeners understand the relationship between, say, Dashboard and Newfound Glory. You know, like sonically, we're pretty different bands. Yeah. But we grew up streets away from each other, and we, um, and we came up with the same kind of idealism and ideals and ethos, and we worked together, and there was bands across that genre. Um, uh, 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 this very broad spectrum. But as... As time went by, uh, newer bands were added into the fold, and I think they 
shared an aesthetic at some point, sonically. Um, but they were they were cherry picking from the other things they liked. Um, um, there was this, I don't know, that era of uh, where it seemed to like hair and makeup was kind of as important <laughs> as the as the idea behind the song. Yeah, was something I didn't connect with as deeply, though. Was enter- though I will say rightly, I was entertained by when done at its best. You got something like My Chemical Romance, yeah. blazing a trail uh, straight through the music scene, and kind of like hanging their hat on a rung that was sort of like only occupied by like maybe like Queen, and I thought that was glorious. That came out of our scene, our circle of friends. And it was just incredible. Um, the part that I don't feel connected with, I think all of us got tagged for something we deserved. But the only part that I, but, but I still connected with these bands. And now the part that I didn't connect with was when um, people started using their songs as a platform to brag, I guess, uh, about how much money they had or how wonderful they were, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I just, I checked, that's when I checked out. I said, okay, this is, this is cycled past me now, and I'm, I'm meant for another path. Um, I think, but all of us got, so all of us, when I say we got knocked down, I think it was, maybe it's a better analogy or a better, better um, choice of a term to say we got knocked off our perch a little bit. We, we weren't played on the radio anymore. Um, we were kind of whipping boys, made fun of, and stuff like that. Well, how is that much different than when we started? We weren't getting played on the radio. We certainly were getting made fun of and beat up. And shit. That was it, that was a new territory. It was so it was nice to be reminded, like, well, shit, if this is worth doing, it's worth fighting for our right to believe in doing it, believe believing in doing it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, that's so interesting to hear. And I mean, did that, did that kind of, because I guess as well, you know, now coming back with, with Crooked Shadows, you know, I mean, how you, you've, you know, you, like you say, you know, you've, you've been there, you know, you've seen it all and you've, you've seen, you know, things go up and, and, and go down as well, you know, achieving, you know, such huge success within that. I mean, now you're sort of, as with Dashboard Full Time, you're coming back into a, a music world like we're chatting about that's, that's changed again. I mean, what's kind of, um, what's motivated you to do? Because, you know, you're as I say you're an artist who's had so much success you don't have to do it so what is it very much that you want to do it for the for the songs and that you feel that it's a better landscape to to come back into what kind of what's what was the kind of thinking behind no. that no I, i'll respectfully use that term that you said i didn't have to is that i did have to that was the, the that, that was what i was waiting for this um feeling of absolute urgency is that is uh not of design for the listener later in in the process. It's really just about this must be done. I have to get this song done. I have, I, I need to express myself, and um, I certainly hope when I'm doing it that it, that people will like it. But I don't think of the. Um, I think it's tricky, slippery slope maybe to 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 think of a listener that will eventually hear a song maybe a year from now <laughs> while you're writing it. It's um, not something I'm very good at, I don't think. I'm good, I think that if I'm good at something, if there's something that I am good at, it's trusting that the song, um, that I'll have the sense to not put the song out later if it is bad. <laughs> I'm not going to censor it <laughs> while I'm writing it. It was like this, uh, it's when we were back, when we'd come back and we were doing these tours, um, we felt a special connection once again to these songs that we'd been playing for a long time. Or maybe we'd stopped playing, but had played for a long time. And the songs had, these songs were communicating differently to me, probably to the audience too. Maybe I was responding to their new take on these old songs, or maybe vice versa. I can't really tell, but, um, but it did kick in that, um, desire desire to to say to have stories to tell like these like these felt because these songs it was like i was it felt almost like i was 
borrowing emotion from some of these songs that I'd already written. And I was trying to funnel these new stories I had to tell or these new things I wanted to express within the three-minute fr- framework of a song that's been out and people have lived with for a long time. It's very hard to do, but, it's, but it, is, it is impossible to ignore that what you're trying to do, as it turns out, is, is right. Wow, yeah, because going into the album then, I mean, you know, there's songs like About Us and Belong, you know, they, 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 they've, got, they've got that kind of, you know, obviously signature dashboard feel, but there's a real, there's a lot of new ground covered sonically. Um, take me into those songs in particular, you know, where did they, they've got a very, um, they've got a kind of very fresh modern feel to them, you know, kind of take, take me into that, where did those come from? And did, was this very much, did you want to, with these songs, you know, did you want to very much keep pushing that envelope and keep seeing what you could do within the framework of your sound. I think so, but moreover, if I if I had like a any kind of like um, outline for how I was going to present these songs, the idea was, well, what what would I have what would I have done musically if this was my first record and I had all these things to say and. I had all these instruments I now know how to play at my disposal. And I have this um, um, interest in a certain sonic palette that I have now. Am Am I beholden to the sound that I had before because I've made that sound before? Or am I, or is it more is it more necessary that I express myself with, with the tools I have in hand if I, as if I'd never made a record before? The answer is somewhere in between. About Us probably was the first slightly grander departure from... Slightly grander, that's really not... <laughs> it's um, maybe the first noticeable departure. Mm. Um, from an, uh, a template of, of uh, presentation that I'd used as a crutch. I, I think that I, I can do a few things and get away with it. I know I'm pretty sure I can make an acoustic record. People lose their mind. And it almost feels like a bit of a cheat to me right now. doesn't mean I won't wake up tomorrow with that on feeling that like that would be the hardest thing to do that's when i'll do that i'm pretty sure that if i just wrench on an electric guitar i can i know how to make that convey the same meaning the lyrics do and the same thing the melody does um but i need the mystery a little bit of well now what happens if i maybe add some other elements in here that i I think it's got to, you've got to hear somebody discovering something in a song. You, it's the songs themselves, lyrically, they're, they're discovering, they're, they're, they're revealing of a sense of, uh, they're, they're revealing in a sense, um, they're a discovery in and of themselves. And I think the music should follow suit. And, and I mean, you know, in that sense as well, you know, like we were talking about, you know, the making these these songs with these fresh ideas and these new sounds, and you know, um, not getting boxed into anything, um, or like you say, you know, sort of doing things that that you feel might sort of be cheating anyone. That you're doing these fresh, interesting things. Now, I mean, you know, with because we've talked about, you know, the the that kind of era um, earlier on in the chat as well. You know, you have bands doing ten year anniversary tours and all this sort of stuff, and it feels like you're not doing that, and you're very much pushing forward, like we're chatting about, and doing these really interesting things. I mean, do you think that that's, do you think that that is really important, you know, to kind of keep, keep pushing and keep evolving? Um, I think it's important to me. I can't speak for anybody else's career. I mean, I'm going to some of those shows cause I love those. Records. Oh, so, and, that's oh, and, uh, and, uh, and so that's valid, but that's just not where I am right now. That isn't to say that, that when some, yeah, but that's just, yeah, I guess, I guess that's just not where I am. I, uh, just like, but I also c- couldn't have forced this record out if it wasn't where I was. I just have to be where I am. That's it. And, you know, when I think about the, just to double back for a second about like the sonic departure, it's not really a departure, mm. so to speak, uh, in my opinion. 
it's an extension, really. And like I think of maybe one of my favorite bands of all time, maybe my favorite band, I'm not sure, but probably is The Cure. And I remember with each record thinking how vastly different the new ones would sound. But when I go back and listen to them across now, they don't, they share so much with each other. Um, and if I've done my job right, uh, and you listen across all the records at some point, they, they'll sound like it's, they were meant to be a straight line. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you can, I mean, you can definitely hear that. You know, I mean, as say as a as a sort of lifelong dashboard fan, you can completely hear that. And I, I mean, as well, you know, with that in mind, you know, you worked with Lindsay Sterling on, on "Open My Eyes" and also Chrissy Costanza on "Just What to Say." Um, and obviously, you know, you you worked with uh, "Nothing Nowhere" recently as well. And I mean, you know, there's kind of um, artists uh, from very different genres across the board. And what what spurred that decision to collaborate? Is it kind of do you think there's a real power in that collaboration and kind of knocking down, you know, invert genre boundaries uh, yeah I think it, it, it's been important to me from the beginning is that uh, I think our, our, my, the, whole, the genre I'm from as a whole is an outlier so um, we've always operated like everyone is welcome and everyone is invited um, it sort of made its way to the music itself from time to time, but in general, it's you, we we often will put bands that maybe don't make perfect sense together on our on our bills for the same reason that we will invite Chrissy to sing with us or Lindsay to play with us. And uh, I think collaboration is this um, a challenging tool. I think some people might think of it as a I think in my youth, I might have thought of it as a crutch, something you do. So, as a as a maybe maybe somebody that did that that wrote that way perhaps was was not able to write on their own or, or the finished product. They couldn't have done it that way on their own. And now I look at it as a very, it's a much more difficult thing actually to to get this idea of of how a song could be beyond the scope of the things that you yourself can do and see it through to the finish line and, and, and have it uh, bear fruit is a, it's a difficult process and re- really rewarding when done right, kind of crushing when it doesn't work. I take those things pretty seriously. And I think there's, uh, you know, like when Nothing Nowhere asked me to, to collaborate with him, you know, there was no, there was no question I was going to do it. I thought, you know, cause I think so highly of, actually, he's probably my favorite since hip hop artists probably since the streets wow and um so i I felt that i felt like that was a really big honor to be invited to do that definitely i mean that's very exciting are there are there any nerves as well do you want to kind of you know win over a whole new generation of dashboard fans i mean is that kind of very much is there are there nerves in that is that what you want to do or are you just kind of it's just very much just about the songs that's just you're just going to see how things go you know, it's funny that you use that term "win win over." Um, that's what I that's what I do every night. Mm. I I walk out there figuring, even if it's it's it, this thing hasn't gone away. Uh, I I've always figured I got to win this. I got to win people over. I feel like you know my. Uh, I know I don't write conventional pop songs, and sometimes I don't play. You know, I started out in a really unconventional, pre- with an unconventional presentation in that I was this kid with an acoustic guitar playing all these hardcore shows. So I've always set myself up for failure, but then go up there and, and try to win the crowd over, win the listener over and prove that this, the, the, the songs have power beyond the presentation of the song. Yeah, really, really interesting to say what a legend for someone to talk so candidly about, you know, things that he liked, things that he didn't like, you know, bigging up My Chemical Romance, but saying also that, you know, it got to the point where bands were bragging about stuff and kind of ruining the scene that he'd helped kind of build. So interesting. Jack, what do you reckon? You're a big dashboard man. I love dashboard confessional. Like, I remember in one of my last breakups. Um, <laughs> Christ, right. Uh, that I bought every dashboard album off Amazon for a penny. Well, this was a really bad breakup, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was rubbish. Um, uh, yeah, I bought all the dashboard albums off Amazon for a penny each and just like 
smash them. Uh, and I feel as though, like, like you, like actually physically smash them, or you just listen <laughs> no, to them no, so just much. listen to them constantly. Oh, right, like, okay. I was like, it was like an episode of um, Dawson's Creek. Oh, like, nice, <laughs> nice. But um, yeah, I the thing about dashboard and the thing about Chris is that he's relevant to every single like era of emo from like the two thousands all the way up to now. Like he's had t- nearly twenty years of just consistently being relevant and as you say he has seen it all and like done it all and the biggest thing he said it as well it was like it's the staying power like and I feel as though he's kind of he knows why his music stayed so relevant but also he's not shocked that the music he's made has stuck around for this long because he he knows what he's doing basically um, and I think it just comes down to like being so honest in your art and knowing, um, like knowing when to stop and knowing when to change things up. Like as we say, he did um, Twin Forks, which if you haven't heard that album, that's brilliant as well. Yeah. Um, like completely changing up what he wants to do and not staying stale and understanding like how, as, as you've said as well, that. On the new album, like there's even there's a collaboration with Cash Cash, who are like a electro pop, like trio, um, and it's just it's a completely different world for him again. And like his intelligence and his like lack of fear to try these things and not just stick being the guy with a guitar like singing about his broken heart. It's it's amazing. Like there's not many people who can do that and stay as relevant as Chris has. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's such a smart guy and I, I love like you say, like his his responses, you know, talking about the power of collaboration, um, especially like that was so, so great to hear him talk about how that, you know, he's he's never he's never wanted to ever be kind of defined by one certain thing or kind of be held back and let that influence how what his art sounds like because he, he wants to try new things you know he wants to do these things and so his projects have been so different the Dashboard albums have been so different and to kind of hear him still doing that like you say have Cash Gas or Chris Costanza on this album amongst the, the the sort of more classic Dashboard stuff it's such an interesting relevant listen it's brilliant Tamsin you're a big fan right? Yeah I mean I've got so many memories of just those those early Dashboard songs like I'm pretty sure I had lyrics on my MySpace page <laughs> And like, you know, whenever you went, you know, if a boy broke your heart at school or something, like you'd go and listen to Dashboard Confessional. And uh, as yet, he's, he's a very smart man. He knew when it was time to be like, you know what? I don't want to be a part of this scene anymore. I don't fit in here. This isn't my time. I'm going to go away, do something else a bit. And like, he's come back at like the right time as well. And it, it's given Dashboard like a whole new life really like bringing people like Chrissy in is a really really clever move because it opens you know let's be honest a lot of against current fans probably weren't even born when we were listening to Dashboard Confessional (laughs) which is terrifying (laughs) but at the same time it opens up his new music and what he's doing now to all of their fan base and he's gonna find that success and like the just the love of being on stage and creating music all over again it's Another part of it, it does come down to the fact that so many people, when they've been around for so long, they become nostalgia acts. Yeah. Like, like there's very few bands, like you mentioned Newfound, they're, they're a good exception of like that era who have stayed relevant and still sell out massive crowds. But so many, even from like 2008, those sort of bands, like they're already like tokens on like lineups for like one song. Yeah. Mm, yeah. But like Dashboard has stayed because he's, done things in such a way and like spread his wings so far that like he can like everything is fresh it's like it's not there's no point where he's going oh well it is well my new ones but you don't want to hear that it's like every single step people want to hear and the thing as well like he said you know i could have just written an acoustic record about heartbreak and everyone would have loved it but i didn't want to do that um and and he's very cleverly like without anyone knowing put his fingers and worked in like different areas and slightly different genres and stuff like you know he's he did the collab with nothing nowhere which was was sick and then like a few years ago he played taylor swift's birthday (laughs) and there's a video online of taylor swift and Haley williams screaming hands down along with (laughs) him yeah that video is sick and 
and it's just like just little things like that it's like you kind of forget like you know he's friends with taylor swift but he's friends with nothing nowhere who's like this trap emo artist and then but he's friends with newfound glory he's friends in the pop punk scene he's got fr- he, you know he's friends with electro pop artists with chrissy costanza like he knows everyone and he knows exactly what he's doing and he's killing it and fair play to him <laughs> yeah he's a legit legend yeah like, yeah like yeah. i have a very good memory of uh, a few years ago being at an emo like just club night in Brighton uh, Will Gould from Creeper was there because him and some friends had done an Alkaline Trio cover set and uh, Hands Down came on and he literally just screamed it (laughs) from start to finish in uh, Casey who is currently drumming for Amity Affliction they were just literally just screaming at each other and me and my friends were just stood there just like I think I think we should just leave them to it. They're in the moment. <laughs> Gonna let them have this. And it's just like like everyone loves Dash. Every single band that you are listening to right now loves Dashboard Confessional. Yeah, that's absolutely bang on. Yeah, exactly. Like what Tamsin said, you know, all of these bands, they're all influenced by Dashboard. And this album, and like Jack said, you know, he's come back and he's made an album that stays true to who he is and what he does. But it, it offers so much for everyone as well. If you're a Nothing Nowhere fan, if you're against the current fan, if you're just a Dashboard fan, like everyone's going to love this album. So yeah, just what a legend. Absolutely amazing to be able to have him on the podcast. And uh, also, if you want to delve back, if you're interested by what we're saying, a Mark Commission of Brand of Scar, the Swiss Army Romance, Dust and Summer, you can't go wrong. Like, they're all gems. So, huge shout out to Chris and, uh, yeah, brilliant stuff. So, final reminder, new issue on sale now. As I say, bundles are sold out. So, the newsstand copies are still available, but only just. Shop.rocksand.tv, get on those, buy them all up before they go. Absolutely amazing. Palais Royale on the cover, super interesting stuff. Check it all out. As I say, it's just been an insane week of bundles going all sorts of stuff so it's been complete madness but yet yeah, a few still left available so shop.rocksound.tv follow us on spotify updated rock sound charts scuzz tv show is also on daily uh follow us on instagram twitter facebook online loads going on our website rocksound.tv and of course follow us on soundcloud and subscribe to us on itunes for the podcast loads of exciting stuff already in the bag for the coming weeks and uh yeah it's been good is this actually the end it's just suddenly crept up it's the end will oh, but not no. forever Oh uh, no, not forever! I got so into that dashboard chat. That was—I think—that was one of our best. Yeah. yeah, it's it's good when you talk about things. File it under legends. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Stick it in the folder. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so Tamsin next week uh, is away. So Sorry. We, yeah, yeah. So uh, we might get uh, get Tom Morgan in again. We'll see if you guys remember him. Uh, I'm sure oh, you do. And Tom Morgan's coming back. Yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you guys should put like a tweet out or something. And be like a vote for which Rock Sound staff <laughs> member you'd like to feature on the Rock Sound podcast. Yeah, Ben Crudgington. Like just. Loads Cr- of votes. There, there's various Cr- options. Crudge, Ramses, and Ramses or Tom Morgan. Ooh. We'll it, see. Yeah. That's a death we'll match. See. That's a good poll. That is yeah. a really good poll. That's a very yeah. good yeah. poll. Do you reckon Andy would come on? No. No. Nah. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. Yeah, it's been amazing. Actually, I had a really good time. Uh, we will see you next week. Tams, we'll see you in two weeks. Yes. And um, yeah, as I say, loads of exciting stuff in the bag, but we're not revealing what yet. So yeah, see you soon, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.